Turbo Nation, what up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 259 of Combos Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. I'll say it again. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. If you're using that Apple podcast app, leave a comment and a five-star rating. would greatly appreciate it. Tell a friend to tell a friend about Combo's Court Podcast. Today's show, Marin Fader, staff writer for The Ringer and author of Giannis, joins in to talk about Giannis and her time covering LaMelo Ball in Lithuania. A fantastic conversation with Marin. You could find Marin on Twitter at Marin Fader. That's M-I-R-I-N-F-A-D-E-R. You know you could find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E. T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. If you'd like to support the podcast even further, I'll leave a link in the description for the Combos Court Patreon page. Thank you for the continued support. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Fader, staff writer for The Ringer, author of Giannis, and former Hooper herself. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? Hi, I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. You covered LaMelo. You wrote a book on Giannis. Is there something that drew you to the international game? That's interesting. Yeah, I well, I got the LaMelo opportunity and I had never been out of the country myself. Um, oh, wow. So that, okay. Yeah, so I was kind of like being a fish out of water. And then when I started traveling, then I sort of really loved it and I was looking for international stories. So, you know, it kind of like changed the way I looked at things. Um, but I think that that is an unexplored area of sports writing. So I definitely am interested in that. Definitely. Like, you know, I played abroad and nobody knows what's going on over there. Like people here have no idea. I mean, once in a while you'll see a EuroLeague game on NBA TV, but nobody really knows what's going on. And that's part of the reason why Luca was not the number one pick, I think, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. If people knew the amount of drama, which I'm sure you yeah. and like checks being delayed and Oh man, I don't even want to get into all that. <laughs> <laughs> and everything that happens for Americans over there. And then also conversely, like we've been talking about, like what it's like to grow up there and you know, stay up till 5 a.m. and watch the NBA. I, I just think it's oh, there should be more stories. There's so much untapped gold there. Definitely. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. All right. So you know. First, it was Lithuania. Uh, tell me about that team, because that must have been interesting. Uh, you know, MBL was, uh, you know, LaMelo's second stop, and obviously it was a higher level. What was that team like? What were your interactions with LeVar like? It was, Jello, was Jello their best player? <laughs> Jello might have been their best rebounder. Okay, um, okay. He was the only one that looked like a athlete that could bang inside, you know? Okay, but okay. It, 
you know, as you know, international basketball, it varies so widely from level to level. So you can be in the same country with Lithuania and have these powerhouse teams over here and then this super lower level team over here. And that's what their team was like. I mean, it to me, it felt like a JV team. I I watched practice every day and there was not a single sprint in nearly a month. Um, And I remember throwing up in seventh grade. Yeah, well, I would I would say even at the highest levels is it's probably not as much running as you had in college. Like it's just a different style in a way, you know, in some countries, it varies from country to country, you know? Yes, but there wasn't, you know, the substitute, if you say, okay, well, we don't really need to run because we're in the middle of the season, we're doing more preparation. There wasn't even like preparation. I mean, they they would just like, (laughs) And just like catch the ball on the block and then turn and, and try to make a layup and everybody was just walking through it. I mean, it was so lackadaisical. I was very surprised. Okay. Would you say, you know, you played at college. Would you say there was some unnecessary running in college since now you see the international game? Yes. I mean, I like vividly remembered, um, you know, an up and back where you have to do the length of the court in like six, seven seconds and just like, oh man. Diving diving to make it at the end you know whole body is, is screeching across the floor and it's like does that really teach me anything exactly um, yeah exactly. no let's let's have our conditioning during the drills so we can practice game speed movement right okay so i read your article um the lamello one about him in australia that was great that was an awesome article everybody go check that out um so what did you learn about LaMelo on that trip? I, I have an idea because I read the article, but just for everybody listening, I mean, I think there were some misconceptions when it comes to LaMelo. Yeah, I think a lot of people at that point in time, you know, it was not like it is now where it's very cool, very trendy to like LaMelo and see his potential. At the time, right. everyone was extremely negative about LaMelo. They thought he was spoiled. They thought he was um, rude. They thought he was loud. Every negative connotation you can have about him, they just, because he grew up in the limelight and his dad was so famous and making all these proclamations, they assumed that LaMelo was, um, you know, just very arrogant. And he wasn't at all. Like when I spent time with him, I just saw a normal kid that actually didn't want anything to do with the attention. He would roll his eyes when he had to film the reality show. He would say, no, can we just go play basketball? Um, and And I honestly saw a very sweet, personable kid you know he was still growing up but he was trying to become his own man Um, and I think at that point in his life he realized all the stuff he had been through and how was he going to carve his own identity separate from his brothers and his father were you surprised um during the I want to get to some more stuff with Australia but were you surprised when it was right before the draft that we were hearing these rumors he wasn't interviewing well I mean you're a person that was actually interviewing LaMelo often and I have seen interviews where LaMelo looks like He's not interested. Um, But that might just be because I just want to play basketball. Like, I don't want to deal with these interviews. I'm I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, right? It's, I think it is that, but I think it's also that he just takes time to open up to people. Okay, okay. You know, sometimes it's just really hard when you're as young as he is um, and you're just meeting all these people. You're not going to be, he's not this like bubbly person on first sight. Like that's, that's the lamella that you get to know when you get to know him. But at first he might seem a little bit guarded, but it's also just cause like, you know, he, he said to me, he can't remember a time when the cameras weren't on him. So imagine being like five years old, you don't understand why the cameras are on you. They, they just are, and you have to deal with that. And so it it comes across as like, his eyes are glazed over. It comes across as not interested, but it's really just like a defensive mechanism to, 
just being in the limelight, you know, but once you really get to know him, you'll see like, there's a reason why every teammate that's ever played with him loves him. How did the team receive him? I mean, they, they loved him. I, I mean, in all the places, even Lithuania, you know, like that was a miserable experience for all. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were cold and they didn't speak the language, but he made friends with his teammates because he was personal. Even though he didn't know the language, he would just try to make jokes and crack everyone up. Like he's very, he's somebody that also doesn't try to take over the game. So teammates respect him because they know he's legit looking for them. You know, he actually went, when we say pass first point guard, we really mean that, you know, it's yeah. become cliche for some guys, but LaMelo really like actually gets joy out of setting other people up. So of course they like him. How important was it for him to have Jermaine Jackson there? Like what role did he play with LaMelo? Yeah. I mean, I knew they were close, but I think going there, seeing how close they were, it almost felt a little eerie. Like is Jermaine the surrogate father. And I think Jermaine is used to questions like that. Like a lot of people write on his Instagram, you know, you're taking over for LeVar and, you know, Jermaine has the highest respect for LeVar. So he insists that that's not true, but they do have this kind of like fatherly son um, bond to them. And every time LaMelo is wondering something, he's like, JJ, what do you think? JJ, what do you think? I mean, they literally were never apart. I mean, JJ was the one taking care of him. When I went to their apartment, JJ showed me like all these like fruits, like dragon fruit, all these like, you know, fruits. And he's like, I make Lamello eat these. Or, and then he's just like, <laughs> I, make, I make pancakes on this day for him. And it just, it really felt like father son, even though Jermaine's own son was out there as well. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. LeVar must've done something right, right? What he has two kids in the top five. We just got to get Jello in the league and you know, it's all good. Well, he's been getting some tryouts. Have you seen that? He's Yeah. Getting- I mean, Detroit. Well, yeah, he was with Detroit for a little bit. I think it was preseason, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think Jello should have gone into football. I think he looks, I think his body could have been a tight end body. I think he could have done something with football. I mean, LeVar really does say that he's the best, right? Out of the brothers. Doesn't he say that? Or, or am I mistaken? About Lamello? No, about Jello. Doesn't he say about- that? <laughs> uh, you know. I- maybe I I'm wrong. Maybe I quoted that. I don't want to quote LeVar wrong. I can't keep up with the proclamations, but I know that he. he Maybe the best score. Maybe best score. Maybe that's what it was. There's some aspect of him that is the best, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, You know, so you got to see him play up close, personal in the NBA. Were you surprised by how quick he made that transition to the NBA level? Um, I think I was surprised at how, um, how. I guess how, I wouldn't say dominant. I I guess I would be surprised at how easy the game looks for him. Seamless, yeah, yeah. You know, how fluid he is. Um, Because I think nobody saw this coming. I really don't like when people have revisionist history. I mean, the the thing that I knew about him was that he was confident. Like, he talked about it. He worked at it. He was very confident in his He told you he wanted to be the greatest basketball player ever, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he he had this goal in his mind and, you know, um, but there were some struggles in Australia, you know, there was a lot of, you know, defensive coverages like missed. There was a lot of like, you know, sometimes just not having the highest percentage shot. Um, Of course, all the great things that we saw. So I was kind of unsure. I was like, okay, well, I think he will be a very good player one day, but I don't know if it'll happen rookie year. You know, I don't know. And then he just sort of did what he's done all his life, which is play against people that are older than him and make them look silly. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, he did. You know, him and his brother are playing great. Him and Lonzo are playing. It's really good to see. I mean, they put the work in, as you said, people don't. 
you know, like Lonzo, like the way he changed his jump shot. I mean, that takes a lot of work if you don't know. Like to change your jump shot like that is it, it's incredible. You know, to change your jump shot at that age, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. When we all start playing, we're like super young, and that's when you begin to like hone in on everything. And there just comes a point where you're like thirteen and you're set. I mean, you could get better at little things. You know, like oh, I need to see the floor better, but stuff like like your form. That is yeah. very, very, very hard to change um, at that age. And so I think it's remarkable, but yeah. again, like he, they all have this quiet demeanor about them. That is like, when they say, oh no, I just, I just like to play basketball. I just, you know, and it comes off as disinterested, but it's, it's actually very, very interested. It's just, they don't need to tell you that they're shooting 500 jumpers. They just do it. Yeah, they, they're not interested in the, you know, everybody thinks about like reality Facebook shows, but that's not really what they were interested in. They were just real basketball right. guys, you know? Yeah, LaMelo really did not like that show. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was kind of hilarious to like watch them try to be like, now you're seen, and he's just like, uh, can't. And um, I feel for him because that was, you know, that's really behind the decision to profile him twice was like, I really wondered what it was like you know, being a person that just doesn't seem to have too much control over their lives, you know, um, you're trying to forge your own identity, you're trying to figure out who you are as an individual, and you're just so stuck in this reality empire that you don't want to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, it must be really great for you to see the story turning out so well, you know, with LaMelo. I know, but then with his injury, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, but actually, there has been reports that it's actually better than people, well, no injury is good, I'm actually recovering from ACL yeah. surgery right now, so no injury is good, but, you know, there's actually, they're saying now that um, he might come back this year. I hope so, um, I mean, because that would just be so cruel, you know, when I saw yeah. it, I just kind of like, you, you know, your heart breaks for anyone that gets injured, but especially yeah. when you're such a role because as you know injuries i mean they're the they worst just, they're oh, the worst they take a mental i always say this is my bad half this is my good half everything bad that happened to me is on this side of my body and wow. it just, yeah it just like ruins you forever where, so, where, what's the worst injury you had i tore every ligament in my foot um, ah. college, and i just my foot did not feel normal for like a five-year period um it was horrible. And like you, bunch of knee stuff, um, meniscus, tears, oh, I know, down to my freaking fingers. So I just feel like we're perpetually scarred from basketball. Most definitely. <laughs> most definitely. <laughs> All right. So let's shift to Giannis. Uh, you know, you, you did a lot of interviews for this book. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of interviews. Uh, was there a recurring theme when you were hearing all your Giannis stories? I mean, they all wanted to talk about his work ethic, of course, which I knew beforehand, but I guess when 220 people tell you this, the, it's safe to say like, yes, he actually is a workhorse. Right. I've um, heard it too. I've heard the same thing. Yeah. But I, but I think the, the other common theme was a more vulnerable side of him, which you'll see in the book, which is that, you know, um, a lot of times we talk about desire to be great and what that looks like up close. And sometimes it can be very aggressive and yelling and yelling at people. But Giannis's is more internal. Like he gets so frustrated with himself. He used to bring him to the point of tears, like publicly. Um, yeah. And so I, I just found that to be a really fascinating thread that just kind of like hadn't been out there before. So it really shows the passion is so genuine. All right, so he was the 15th pick overall in 2013, am I mistaken? 2013, yeah, right. 2013. 
So what were, I mean, obviously he's, he overperformed, right? From where his draft pick was. Um, what were NBA decision makers thinking about him when he was coming in? Like, what were their thoughts on him? Well, it was hard because the video that they had to work off of was pathetic. It was like super grainy. Um, you couldn't even tell like how tall people were in relation oh, to wow. each other. So you were like, okay, I see obvious talent here. I see obvious length, but I don't know like how good can he be? You they, know, didn't, they, they didn't send people over there? They did send people over there eventually, but so they go and the, the competition is terrible. So it's, wow, it's, okay. it's like maybe even worse than what we were just talking about with Lithuania. It was, <laughs> okay. It was older guys. It was guys that were like rec league, you know, playing after their, you know, day yeah. job. You see this guy that has enormous talent, but you're just not sure how it will translate to the NBA. And like, obviously if they would have known that he would have grown two inches once getting to the league, he would have been like top five, no brainer, no brainer. Um, but that's not what happened. And so I think a lot of them were like very interested, but again, interested, the difference between interested and on your draft board is a huge gulf. And, and there's been so much revisionist history. So I think so many people were intrigued, but not quite ready to pull the trigger. There was a lot of risks involved because um, Giannis was undocumented and didn't have papers wow. until the last minute. So, um, but Atlanta for sure was extremely interested and they wanted to pick him. Um, but ultimately, obviously the Bucks went first. I'm sure there's a lot of teams that are saying now, yeah, we wanted to pick you, especially during free agency, right? All of them it happens every year. And it's just funny to me because it's like, why do we do this? You know, it's not honest. It's just not honest. When did the team realize he was a franchise player? Like how early in his career that, or he could have been a potential, you know? I mean, I think that, um, okay. I think there were glimmers of it that rookie year and the second wow, year. Okay. Because he would go against Carmelo Anthony, and you know he's this no-name guy that's like ready to, you know, talk to Carmelo Anthony, who at that time on the Knicks was like so a great player, you know. And so um, I think there were glimmers where like, wow, this guy's not afraid of of Carmelo. Wow, this guy's not afraid of Durant. Like he had a block against Durant rookie year, and everyone was like, oh, like maybe he could be really, really, really good. But it was always he could be really, really good at a future date. It was always like he needs time to develop, but they were all like very, very keen on him. And then I think um, that second year, um, Jabari Parker came in and he was supposed to be the franchise player. So, right. you know, Giannis still wasn't seen as like the guy, but then um, in that Bulls series in 2014 to 15, when Giannis like shoved um, Dunleavy into the right. stands, yeah, that was a moment like, all right, I think this guy is like really serious and he's really passionate. So I think at that point, everyone was just very team Giannis. Were you surprised that he signed the Supermax? I've had like up and down feelings about it. Like on the one hand, I like I didn't know how it could go. And then on the other hand, I was like, could see it both ways. But then when it when he signed, I was like, OK, of course, this makes sense, you know. Um, and then hearing that his mom didn't want to leave, I was like, oh, this for sure makes sense because she's the cornerstone of everything to him. So, you know, in the end, it was like it made sense. But I didn't know. Again, it's like all these people with their crystal balls pretending to know like we didn't know. Giannis's brothers are just on different teams all over the place, right? <laughs> yeah, well, so that's the part of the book I hope people enjoy is that they, you know, they, they were telling me they all want to be on the same team. And that's, okay. That's been so a team dream. should assign both brothers, right? Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs>
<laughs> all right. So do you have any insight on how Giannis, what his offseason looks like in terms of working on his game? I mean, you did a lot of interviews. Do you, do you hear anything? Because he obviously doesn't post stuff like that, and he doesn't work out with other NBA players. Do you have any yeah. insight on that? Yeah, exactly. He's still in that mindset of like, why would I show you my tendencies? Because right. you, you can exploit me, um, which is, I love that. Honestly, yeah, yeah. it's so old school. It's so refreshing. Like, why are we all trying to be besties? Like we're trying to kill each other over here. So I actually really like that. Um, when, when people say they have to like pull him away from the gym, they're not being hyperbolic. They literally have to tell him it's time to stop working out because if you don't like, he won't leave the gym. Wow, okay. um, yeah. So he, he just stays in there. Like, and it sounds so simple, right? Like it's probably a message drilled into both of us from when we were kids. If you work hard, like you'll be great. But literally that is, it's so simple, but that's what he does. And I think like, dare I say it, he's better this year <laughs> than last year. And I he think is. It, he, it, I mean, it's fair to say he improved every single year, right? Including this year, every single year. And yeah. There are points where you think, oh, maybe he's not improving. You know, maybe the jump shot is still, you know, shaky. But then it's like this year, I don't know. You're just kind of seeing all that work culminate a bit. Maren, great stuff. Uh, where can we get the book and when does it come out? Ooh, I would love it if you could pre-order it because uh, it is pre-orderable, yeah. if that's a word, right now. Um, <laughs> It's on Amazon as well as wherever you buy books. So if you want to support your local indies, which I love, um, you can. But uh, sadly, Amazon helps the tick and the bestseller list the most. So sad to say I'm encouraging Amazon pre-order. Um, and I would love it if you could buy it. So it comes out August 10th, 2021. But yes, available now to pre-order. The improbable rise of an NBA MVP. There it is. <laughs> Giannis. <laughs> Great stuff. Great stuff. Like, what should the title be? And, and then I'm like, you know what? Let's just call it a Giannis. Like, I don't think there could be a better title. No, no, no. That, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was great. You're always welcome back and talk soon. Thank you so much. Anytime. Appreciate you. There it is. Another episode is in the books. Thank you for tuning into Combo's Court Podcast. And big shouts to Marin for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button if you're listening on that apple podcast app leave a five star rating and leave a comment as well if you would like to support this podcast even further i'll leave a link in the description for the combos court patreon page appreciate everyone's continued support be on the lookout for episode 260 combo out